This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. Hey, good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing today? All right. Everybody's awake, kind of awake, ready to go. Hey, listen, we, we started the series last week, and then uh, last night we, we have our, our worship experiences now on Saturday evening as well. And I honestly believe, and I'm, I'm gonna pray before we jump into today, that the enemy really doesn't want us to have this word. We kind of felt last night kind of that, man, there was just this, this struggle in, in worship, there's just a struggle in bringing this word, and I'm just believing that God wants to do something in our hearts significantly during this series. So would you just bow your head with me again? Let's just, let's just pray, and let's expect God really to move in our hearts. God, we pray that the enemy would not try to destroy the time that we have together today. I pray that this word would get rooted in our heart, God, that our eyes would be open to all that you have for us, that your spirit uh, would would overwhelm us today with his presence in our lives, that we would understand that, that the Spirit is desperately needed for us to be devoted followers of you, God. And I just pray right now that you would fill this time with your presence, that we would expect great things to happen in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, thank you, guys. I'm excited. I really am. In fact, I wanna start um, this way by saying that there are some things that you consider to be normal in your life and, and in my life, but that aren't normal uh, to everyone else. For example, like, like things that we would consider normal here in Erie, Pennsylvania, might not be considered normal in Ohio or in other parts of the country. Take, for instance, pepperoni balls. Like, before we moved here, we had no idea. I'd never heard of a pepperoni ball. And then we moved here, and I found out that pepperoni balls are delicious and from heaven, and they're awesome, right? Or take, for example, um, the, the word yuns. Yuns. Like, what is yuns? I have no idea still. I know it means, like, UNs and, or UN, or, or from the South, we say y'all, you know, kind of thing. So just because we think something's normal doesn't mean everyone else thinks that thing is Normal. Let me press down on this a little further. Just because we're in the same region doesn't mean what's normal to me is normal to you. A lot of it has to do with our upbringing, our background, the, the way that we were raised. And if you want to find out just how not normal someone is, marry them. <laughs> and you'll find out real quick. Because I was dating my beautiful, precious bride, Kristen, you know, for a couple of years before we got married, everything seemed normal. And then we got married and started living together. And I found out really quick just how not normal she was. Because the first time we had pancakes, normal, pancakes are great. We, we were having pancakes. We got out the pancakes, got out the butter, got out the syrup, like normal people. She goes and gets the peanut butter. And she spreads peanut butter all over the pancakes. 
That's weird, right? I mean, that's crazy. Normal for her, not normal for anyone else on the planet of Earth. So just because we consider something normal, and then we got the Pop-Tarts out, and I started spreading butter on my Pop-Tarts. Anyone else? No? <laughs> that's what she was like, what are you doing? That's disgusting. I'm like, that's normal. And I, I submit to you that it's a difference between um, truth and tradition. Things that just because are, are normal to us doesn't mean that they're normal to everyone else. And I found out um, also that wasn't the end of our not normalcy in our marriage because on Christmas Eve, you know, our first Christmas together, Kristen comes up and she's like, are you ready to open a present? And I'm like, open a present? It's Christmas Eve. That's sacrilegious. You don't open presents on Christmas Eve. And she says every single year we open our Christmas pajamas on Christmas Eve. That's what her family did. Again, not necessarily truth, but tradition. And, and I say that because the word that we're going to look at today um, this, this spooky word, when this word comes to your mind, everyone in this room is gonna have something run through your mind. And I submit to you that it's not necessarily based on truth, what you're, you think, but on tradition, and it's the word Pentecost. We're in this series called Ghost Stories where it's kind of a not-so-spooky series about the Holy Spirit. And I know that when you hear that word Pentecost, there are so many different things because there are so many different people in this room with different back backgrounds, and I'll prove it to you. Uh, raise your hand if you come from a Baptist background. Raise your hand. Just hold up. Look around. Look around. Look at all that. All right? Put your hands down. Look at all that. Look at all that. That's so weird. Um, <laughs> raise your hand if you have a Catholic background. Yeah? All right? What about a Methodist background? What about Presbyterian? What about Episcopalian? Couple, what about Lutheran? What about Christian Missionary Alliance? What about Pentecostal? Both hands. Come on, Pentecostal, both hands. What about Salvation Army? That was me. You're like, somebody's laughing. That's a church. <laughs> like, I grew up in the Salvation Army. Like, the, before anything, you know, is about preaching the gospel to people. Like, so we all have different backgrounds. I saw some of you raising your hand for every single one. You're like, I tried that. Yep, I tried that. We couldn't drink being Baptist, so I became Catholic, and then I became whatever. But there's so many different backgrounds, aren't there? And so when you hear that word, Pentecost or Pentecostal, it brings to your mind different things. And so I want to take us on a journey today. Um, to truth, not tra to, to tradition. And this isn't about, just so you know, getting us on the same page of, well, this is what's normal for Elevate Church. Like, this is, this is what we believe. No, I wanna take you on a journey to biblical truth today because there's a lot of confusion when it comes to the Holy Spirit and not just in our generation. Uh, this has been going on. Here's what the Bible says, our foundational text for the series, Acts 19. Uh, verse one says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And that's where many of us are in this room. Hey, no one's ever told me about this or there's a lot of misunderstanding or there's a lot of confusion and here's what I believe 
that many people have rejected anything that has to do, anything associated with the Holy Spirit, not because they've rejected the Bible, because they've rejected the way that he's been packaged, the way that the Holy Spirit has been presented. And honestly, my goal in this is to bring clarity to who the person of the Holy Spirit is and who he really can be in your life and in my life. That's why we're on this four-week journey uh, to make sure no one in this room can say, no, we haven't even heard. I want that to be our goal. And so last week, we opened up with talking about just the word, spirit, that happens 800 times you know, in the Bible, spirit or ghost, and the translator's dilemma, because there wasn't a really good English translation, because the word literally translates as air, or breath, or blast of wind, and we talked about, we just need this, this, this air, this fresh air, this fresh wind back in our sails. Well, today, we're tackling this term, Pentecost. If you wanna jot some things down, take some notes. Uh, this is going to be a little different today. It's gonna be a little more teachy uh, than preachy. I'm sure there might be some preachy in here somewhere, uh, but it'll be a little different. Pentecost or Pentecostal. In the book of Acts, um, we, we look at this day or this event called Pentecost, but it's not the first time that Pentecost took place, and we're gonna talk about that. But we know this event because Jesus uh, came to this earth, lived 33 years, did three years of ministry, right? Was, was crucified, dead, buried, came back to life. And during this period that he rose from the dead, this 40-day period, he would just kind of hang out with people. He would hang out with his disciples, giving them final instructions, you know, before he had the ascension, the great ascension is what it's called, you know, into heaven where Jesus is today, seated at the right hand of the Father. And he would just kind of show up and pop through walls and kind of freak people out. And every time he had popped through a wall, he'd say, peace be with you, because they were like peeing their pants, right? Somebody just walked through the wall. And so he had to say that, you know, peace be with you. And so he's kind of sharing with them, just talking about um, something that's going to happen, this, this other gift. So wait for it. And he says, wait. And then 10 days later, after he ascends, comes this day of Pentecost that we know in Acts chapter two, where the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church. And we know that with that comes a lot of fanfare, comes a lot of fire, right? You talk about tongues of fire, we're gonna talk about that, you know, where the, the spirit falls and there's a lot of power on this day of Pentecost. But it's not the first time of Pentecost. In fact, it was a Jewish holiday. And on the calendar, there are three major Jewish holidays. There's seven in all, but there's, there's three, uh, three big ones, all right? These are kind of the, the big three. And it would it would be like, for us, you know, Easter, 4th of July, Christmas, Thanksgiving, those kinds of things, these holidays. And holidays, these were called feasts, which really just meant, you know, you need to take a time to stop, pause, and party. Like, remember what happened, and let's celebrate all that has happened. So that's kind of what these feasts were about. So when Jesus shows up on the scene, he uses these Jewish feasts to kind of paint a picture of, of what he is going to do, of what he is going to fulfill, of the way he's gonna kind of fulfill these feasts. Now, here's the problem. Jewish people understood this, but we don't because these aren't our holidays, all right? 
And if we can better understand these holidays, I believe we'll be able to better understand the Holy Spirit. We'll be better able to understand this journey that Jesus wants to take each one of us on in this room. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 17. I didn't come to do away with the Old Testament. I came to fulfill it, he says. Don't think I've come to do away with the, the Old Testament teaching to abolish the law or the prophets, the law being the first five books of the Old Testament, the prophets being really the rest of it. He says, I didn't come to, to do away with it, but I came to fulfill it. I came to fulfill it. And we're gonna see in this, this, this journey that he wants to fulfill these feasts in our life as well. So we don't necessarily continue the, the, the practices of the Old Testament, but we still embrace these principles. And Jesus came to fulfill these Old Testament feasts. And again, this is a journey he wants to take each one of us on. The first one, if you wanna write it down, take some notes, is one that happens every year, is Passover. Many of you are familiar with that. You've heard of, of Passover, but this is the first feast that Jesus fulfills. And Passover is the celebration of when God delivered, right, his, his people out of Egypt, if you're not familiar with it, um, the Hebrew nation went down to Egypt because there was a drought. And they were only gonna stay there for a little bit. They ended up staying there for 400 years because they became enslaved you know, by Pharaoh. And Pharaoh made them build pyramids, build all kinds of other stuff you know, there. And so like, they're, they're sitting there in slavery, but God didn't want his people in slavery. So God sent a deliverer, cue Moses. So Moses comes onto the scene, burning bush. He says, hey, tell him to let my people go. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, all right, let all these Hebrews go. Pharaoh had an issue with that, right? That's his workforce. Those are the people building stuff for him. He's like, I don't think so. So God sent plagues in order, in an attempt to make Pharaoh let his people go. But he didn't do it until the 10th and final plague. And the 10th and final plague was where God said every firstborn male of every family is going to die. Now, obviously, God didn't want his people, the Hebrew nation, to die, those male children to die. So he said, here's what you do. You take a lamb, a spotless lamb, blemish-free lamb, you, you kill it, and you put the blood on the doorpost and on the doorframe you know, of your house. And then when I come by, I'm just gonna pass over, where they get the term, pass over your house, right, and, and move on. And then God delivered them from Egypt. And he said, all right, every year, remember what I did. Every year, have a feast, have a festival, call it Passover, and remember me delivering you out of Egypt. And here's how we want you to celebrate it. Here's some characteristics of it. Take a lamb, like, and at 9 a.m., kill that lamb. Sacrifice it. Take that blood, you know, put it, you know, symbolically on your, your door frame of your house on the sides and on the top. Kill the lamb because you and your family are gonna gather around and you're gonna eat it later. Place it in the oven at exactly 3 p.m. that day, according to Jewish law, that's what still happens. And the purpose was to give them this picture and remind them that the sacrifice of this lamb covers their sin. It saves them, it, it rescues them. Now don't miss this, you're still a sinner, but it's covered, it's covered, that's important. So how does Jesus then fulfill this Old Testament feast? Most of you know this. Well, he fulfills it by giving his life. Jesus was called our Passover lamb. He died for us on Good Friday, 
Jesus was sacrificed. Guess at what time? 9 a.m. At 9 a.m., the nails were driven, you know, into his hands. He was, he was crucified at 9 a.m. Guess what time Jesus was placed in the tomb? 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Lamb went into the oven. Jesus goes into the tomb. But his sacrifice doesn't cover our sins. His sacrifice removes our sins. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he remembers them no more. That's the good news of the gospel. Someone should say amen for that right there. So he fulfills it. Every single detail of the Passover feast, Jesus is our Passover lamb. You're saying, now come on, Colby. Come on, you know, Creek. Come on, PC. People used to call me Creek back in college. So it's cool. You can call me Creek. It's fine. Whatever. PC, Colby, Creek. Hey, man, whatever. It's cool with me. I don't care. Preacher man. Someone calls me preacher man. Um, You're just trying to make this fit. You're just trying to make, you know, kind of these things fit. No, I'm not. Look at it in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for Christ is our Passover lamb. He's been sacrificed. Now, the, the Jewish people, they would get this. Immediately they would hear this and understand this, but for us it's kind of, kind of strange that we don't celebrate that original Jewish holiday. So Passover, write it down, represents salvation. Represents salvation, the fact that you and I can be saved. Now listen to me, this one event, Passover, salvation, Jesus dying on the cross, that stands alone. That's a, that's a singular, significant event. You don't need the other events that we're gonna talk about. That's, that's salvation. You don't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work your way for it. It is a free gift. But God wants more for you. And God wants more for me. Because he's got some things he wants us to do. You know, He wants us to, to dive into reading his word, to praying, to serving, to giving. There are things that we need to be able to do as followers of Jesus but he doesn't throw it all into this one experience. This one stands alone. This one stands on its own. You say, Colby, well, why? Why doesn't he throw it all into this one experience? Because this one is free. Again, you can't earn it. He didn't want you to get it confused and think you know, that you actually took part in saving yourself, just like the Israelites coming out of Egypt. They couldn't rescue themselves. They couldn't save themselves. They needed God to do it. Ephesians, look, uh, chapter two, verse eight, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. So nothing that you can do. It's not about coming to church. It's not about church attendance. It's not about being in a group. Doing doesn't save you. Uh, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. So that no one in this room can say, look, I saved myself. No, you didn't. Jesus gave it to you. It was a free gift. This was all God. This one stands on its own. And the reason I say that is important is because God has more. That's kind of like the beginning. He has more that he wants you to experience in this journey. That's why the second feast, the second festival holiday, write it down, is called Pentecost. And here's the word that everybody freaks out about, you know, Pentecost, ooh, you know, so scary. Penta, you know what penta means? Five. Cost, in the Greek, is costy. It means to the 10th Power. So let me show you how scary this word is right here. Pentecost means 50. Ooh. Gives you the heebie jeebies, doesn't it, right? 50, run for your lives, 5 0. Po, po, you know, whatever. It's so scary. 
I think it's been an incredible tool of the enemy to take something like a word, Pentecost, and make it seem like it's this thing that's so scary that we don't need in our lives because when it, all it means is 50, 50 what? 50 days after Passover. So in our calendar, Jesus is our Passover lamb. We celebrate on Easter. 50 days, seven weeks after that is Pentecost Sunday. So what happened then, Colby, 50 days after God delivered his people from Israel. Many of you know, but God's presence fell on Mount Sinai, and that's when God's children were given the law. So 50 days, Pentecost from Passover is the law. Um, the, the presence fell, there was thunder, there was you know, lightning, there was an earthquake, you know, there's a lot of fire. This is a big deal. This is the whole 10 commandments kind of moment, some characteristics that are marking uh, this moment. There's loud noise, there's fire. God wrote his law on these tablets of stone. The people were afraid to, to go up the mountain uh, and experience God's presence. So they said, Moses, you go up the mountain and, and do it. We don't wanna do it, we're gonna wait down here. Well, they thought Moses died, and so they, they made a golden calf to, to, to worship themselves. Moses comes down and says, what are you doing, right? And so that day he had Aaron strap a sword to his side, and he went throughout uh, the nation and killed 3,000 people. So on that day, 3,000 people ended up dying. Well, they were celebrating this, God said, hey, celebrate this day. Celebrate this day that I gave you the law. So how is this fulfilled? Well, on the day of Pentecost in the New Testament, look, look what happens. The Holy Spirit descends with a loud noise, with fire. The Bible says with this mighty rushing wind. And God didn't write his law on stone tablets, but he wrote it instead on our hearts. He said, the spirit of truth I'm giving you now lives inside of you. So I'm giving you this truth. And know what else happened on that day? In the New Testament, 3,000 people didn't die. 3,000 people were saved, were baptized. Jesus fulfills this day. Look at Acts uh, chapter one, verse three. It says, after his suffering, talking about this period before he ascends, he presented himself to people and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. Like he said, uh, you know, look at my hands, look at my side, look at, look at my feet. You know, the, 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 the holes are still there. And he appeared to them for this period of 40 days. Now, hold up, Colby, I thought you said 50 days. Pentecost means 50, I did, hang on, it's coming. And spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, you can read about that in the book of John, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem but wait, wait how long? 10 days, wait for it, he says. Wait for the gift my father has promised. Here's what Jesus is saying. I paid for your sins. He had already gone to the cross. I paid for your sins, but I have something else for you. It's not just salvation, that's, that's it. That stands alone, that's on its own. But I have another gift, I have something else for you, watch, you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why? Jesus said, because you need power. You can't do this on your own. In order to fulfill and be a successful follower of Jesus, you need power. Skip down to verse eight, you will receive power, that power you need when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why? Because I have a job for you. 
So this is the works part. This is not the salvation part. That's a free gift, but he's got some things for us to do. And what do you got for me to do? Well, you'll be my witnesses, he says, in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This would be like Jesus telling us, hey, you're gonna reach Erie. You're gonna be my testi- you're gonna, you're gonna give my testimony in, in Erie. You're gonna give my testimony in, in Pennsylvania, you know, in the United States, around, around the world. I need you to get to work, but you can't do it on your own. You're going to need power in order to pull it off. That's what Pentecost means. Hey, Pentecost is not about wild services. Pentecost is not about swinging from chandeliers and running around you know, in this room and barking like dogs and clucking like chickens and all that kind of stuff. That's not what it's about. I don't even know if that's a thing. That might be a thing, I don't know. That's not what it's about. Here's the bottom line, write it down. Pentecost is about power to make a difference. And I'm telling you, the enemy has packaged this and presented it in such a way um, that turns people off to something that we have to have in order to be successful followers of Jesus. It's all about power for us to make a difference. And God wants to empower this church to do something that we're not able to do on our own. And Jesus fulfills it in this festival, this feast called Pentecost. Now, there was one more. You say, what about that taber, uh, the last one, tabernacles? I don't know if I gave it to you, but tabernacles. Uh, what is that about? Uh, well, the first two, Passover and Pentecost, happen close together in the springtime, right? 50 days between uh, Passover and Pentecost. Well, this one actually happens in the fall season, during the harvest. In fact, if you're Jewish tradition, Jewish heritage, then Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles just ended on October 11th of this year. So like on, is that Wednesday? Something like that, Wednesday. So they would have just got done celebrating this feast. And what is this about? What is this holiday about? Well, it's to remember, to stop, pause, and party, to remember the time that God brought you out of wandering around the desert into the promised land, into your permanent home. And the word tabernacles uh, literally means kind of like a hut, a temporary dwelling. It'd be like you going camping. And so the, the Israelites wandered around the desert for, for 40 years before being brought into the promised land. And so they had these temporary homes. And that's what tabernacles is about. So it's the period of time when you're not yet into your permanent home, but you're wandering in a temporary dwelling. Is anyone picking up what I'm putting down? Here's what this means. This feast, this feast is marked by wandering around by these temporary dwellings until brought into the final home and they celebrated it during the harvest season. All right, Colby, well, how is tabernacles fulfilled? Well, this is the one that hasn't yet been fulfilled. That we right now are living on this earth in temporary dwellings. Even Paul calls these bodies of ours tents. They're temporary. He says that we are aliens and we are strangers in this land. We are wandering around on this earth temporarily until one day when followers of Jesus are brought into, right, our eternal home in heaven. And before this takes place, there's going to be a great final harvest. Revelation talks about this, this great final harvest that happens. In fact, if some of you are wondering, so when's all that gonna, gonna go down? Here's what I read this week, that between the years 2000 and 2017, so in the last 17 years, 
more people on earth have accepted and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in the past 17 years than in the previous 2,000 years, from the time, time Jesus you know, left this earth to the year 2000. Like, we are living in a harvest generation. That's crazy. Well, could, is Jesus coming back? I don't know. It could be. I just say be ready, right? Just be ready. Someone said, you know, plan as though he's not coming back for 100 years, but live as though he's coming back tomorrow. And I think that's great advice. Look at um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. talks about this time, this, this, this Jesus, you know, returning. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. I love this, the trumpet call of God. You know what another term is for the, the Feast of Tabernacles? The Feast of Trumpets. I love the Bible. It's awesome. Like there's stuff in there, blow your mind. I mean, it's crazy, it's good, it's good. With the trumpet call of God, and the dead will rise in Christ First, keep going, after that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds, right? This is talking about our glorified bodies, you know, rising up in the clouds. I, for one, am looking forward to that day. You know, I have my glorified body, same good-looking face, a little taller, a little thinner, you know, kind of thing. And so we will all be with the Lord forever. Tabernacles, quickly write it down, represents the second coming of Jesus this is the one that hasn't yet to be fulfilled. All right, Colby, why are you telling me about these major holidays? Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles, because this is the, the journey that Jesus wants to take us on. He gave us this picture to tell us how we're going to live our lives as believers, and it starts with Passover. It starts right there with salvation. Hey, this is, this is the cross this is the sacrifice of Jesus, you know, for our sins that he died on our behalf so that you and I uh, will get passed over as we give our life to Jesus. That death ultimately has no hold on us, that we will uh, spend eternity in heaven. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, you really should. It starts right there. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. We don't deserve it. Can't work for it. It's free. But then once you're saved, you have an assignment. That's Pentecost. That's the Pentecost experience. And, and it's too big for me. It's too big for you. We need power in order to pull this off. And it's not for the sake of entertainment. It's for the sake of living life on mission, for doing something that, that matters, something that makes a difference. That's why the Spirit was given to us. In fact, this is week three of the month, which means it's week three of Crash Course, which is called The Me I Was Born To Be. And I would encourage you, if you haven't been a part of it, you need to check it out. Crash Course Week 3 is all about discovering your spiritual gifts, discovering your, your destiny. We, we believe that your design points to your destiny, and the Holy Spirit has empowered us you know, to do certain things. There's a spiritual gifts test you know, during week three. We'll feed your kid, we'll feed you, we'll feed your kids, all that kind of stuff. I would say come back, and that happens right after the second worship experience today, right at 1245, but be a part of that. But here's the deal. Many of us understand the cross and Passover, like we get salvation. However, we're still perplexed by Pentecost. And you're not the first. Look at Acts chapter two, verse 12. The Bible says this, that when it happened on that day, when uh, the, the winds came and the fire fell, 
that everybody was kind of standing around amazed and perplexed. They asked each other, what does this mean? What's this all about? What is this Pentecost? What is this power? What is this all about? And I believe it's simple. It's that God wants to empower us. He wants to empower us. And I'm gonna give you three ways that he wants to empower you. And then uh, the band's gonna come out and we're not done in just a moment. And then we're gonna come back. We're gonna have an opportunity to respond. But these are the three ways that God wants to empower you. The first is this, write it down, to live righteously. That's what it's about. You see, the first Pentecost is when God gave us the law on the, the stone tablets that we were supposed to follow and do our best to follow, do our best to, you know, be good, to, to follow those rules. And many of you are still trying to do that. Many of you are still, and it's a struggle, right, to, to keep up. It's a struggle. And a lot of times, let's be honest, we don't necessarily want to follow the rules. It's a struggle. But Pentecost is about now God taking those rules and beginning to write them on our heart. So we're not, we're not trying to do them. We're actually trying to become them. We're becoming more like Jesus, where we stop you know, serving God out of responsibility, but we serve him out of a desire and a want to do it. Romans 8, 9 says, you, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit, if the spirit lives in you. So when we're filled with the spirit, he begins to do something on the inside of us, and it just completely, our desires begin to change from the inside out. I'm not obeying the 10 commandments, I'm becoming them. They're a part of who I am. I, I do it because I want to, not because I have to. And I desperately want that for you. Because not only is it more fun and more freeing, but it's a whole lot easier of a way to live your life. Where you do it out of the desire, not out of, out of duty. To serve God because you want to, not because you have to. And the Holy Spirit inside of you acts like this internal GPS and you, you miss a turn. It's like, you know, re recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Make a U-turn. Next one. In fact, Isaiah prophesied about this. He said in um, Isaiah 30, 21, whether you turn to the right or left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I want that for you because I know firsthand what that's like when Kristen and I decided, hey, we're gonna come to Erie, Pennsylvania. We're gonna be a part of a church plant, ultimately plant a church. Like the first time we visited Erie, we went back home to Toledo and said, uh-uh. No way we're coming to Erie, Pennsylvania. And I can't tell you what happened, but we heard the voice of God speak to us. And he said, it's not gonna be like that. So I want you to be a part of this. The problem was we didn't have a place to live. We had two little babies at the time. You know, had no idea what we were doing. Other than that, we were like perfect, right? We were perfect to come out here. But we heard this voice that says, no, this is the way. Walk in it. Walk in it. And I desperately want that for you. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to live righteously. The second thing he empowers us to do is to live supernaturally. And can I tell you, you go ahead and live a natural life if you want to, but you were never meant to. You were never meant to. Um, yes or no, Jesus lived supernaturally. Yes or no, it's not a trick question. Like, yes, it's okay to play along in church. Yes, he lived supernaturally, right? No, nobody argues that, that he healed people, 
that he performed miracles, right? That he, that he rescued people, saved people. No one has a problem with that. But Jesus himself said this, when I go to the Father and leave this earth, actually, you're going to do even greater things than I've done. You're going to do more. And, and here's the thing, greater things than Jesus has done doesn't mean spooky. It doesn't mean it has to be weird. It doesn't mean it has to be like crazy in order for you to believe that the great healer, the great physician still saves, still heals, still does miracles, and he'll do that in your life. And some of you are not so sure. Well, I don't know about that. Well, listen, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will empower us to live supernaturally. Look, look at Acts 10, 38. It says this, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Why? Because there were people who needed to be healed. There were sick people who needed, who needed uh, to, to be healed. There were people who needed to be rescued. And I live by this right here, 1 Corinthians 2, 4. My message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words or jokes about peeing in the pool. You had to be here last week to understand that. It wasn't about that. But it was with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. And I don't know if you realize that, but I feel this way. Like, I don't want you to come to church and I'm like, man, that was, that was just a really good worship experience. And that they do things really well. I don't want you to come to church and be like, that was really good coffee. I don't want you to come to church and say, that was, that was a good video. Those good lights, you know, those good, those good stuff going on. I don't want that. And we can't, we can't live on that. It has to be by a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And I'm telling you, if you take this journey with us, we're not gonna point you to a great church. We're gonna point you to a great God who can still heal your marriage, who can still free you from addiction. That's the God that we're talking about that will empower you to live supernaturally, and the last one is this, he empowers us to live on mission. Now, uh, real quick, if you're looking for a church that is all about you and helping you and working through your issues, with all due respect, this isn't the place. I love you, we wanna pastor you, we want you to get into a group. We wanna see God do amazing things in your life. But I don't ever want you to think that this church is just about us in this room. It's not about us. That ultimately, why God gave us the spirit in the first place on that first day was to be a witness, was to share the good news. Ultimately, we believe that it's our responsibility to, to feed people who need it here in the city, to help people who cannot help themselves. We believe that in planting churches to continue to reach as many people who are far from God as we can, that that's ultimately what this is all about. In fact, I'm gonna show it to you. Look at Acts chapter two, verse one. And you'll understand that God has never called us to be just about ourselves. And check it out. He asks us to do something that we're not capable or qualified of doing on our own. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Keep going. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven 
Like a roaring and mighty windstorm, it filled the house where they were seating. So, so they were already there. This was Pentecost. They were all, according to Jewish law, they were, they were there gathered for celebrating Pentecost. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. Why? Verse four. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability in order to be a witness, in order to tell about Jesus. The greatest evidence of anyone who is filled with the Spirit is they will talk about Jesus a lot. And we're gonna talk about Jesus a lot in this church. You know why? Because people will ask me, Colby, is this a Spirit-filled church? And I know what they mean. They mean, do you guys, you know, wave flags around and, you know, speak in tongues? And we're gonna talk about that. It's gonna be awesome, so hang on, you know, to your britches, that's southern terminology. It's not normal here, it's normal in the south. But here's what they mean. Are you gonna do these things, you know, that are gonna blow us away, that's gonna be entertaining and all this kind of stuff? But I look at them and I say, we're spirit-filled. We are spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, because if the greatest evidence is telling people about Jesus and what Jesus has done for them, then can I tell you that since the inception of this church, 3,607 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ. 3,000, we've baptized over 500 people in this church. So yeah, yeah, we're spirit-filled. We're spirit-filled, no question about that. Why don't you guys stand to your feet? Here's what we're going to do. The band's gonna sing and lead you in a song talks about this, this moment of empowering. And I'm praying that we would just create space for God to fill this room, for God to speak to our hearts, for this, this word to, to get planted, to get rooted in our lives, and that we would start to live it out. And for those of you that, you know, you're still struggling in your Christian faith, which is many of us, we go in and out of season all the time, but you're still struggling, I believe that today the Spirit wants to set you free from some addiction in your life, something that you're facing, some sin pattern, but we can't do it apart from him. We need power to pull it off. So let's bow our head. God, today, I ask that your fullness would come upon us, that your spirit would move in our lives, that would just set us free, God, that we can't be all that you've called us to be apart from that experience. And so we desperately need that today. Many of us in this room, we've said yes to following Jesus. We've never been given the, the strength and the power uh, to walk in that. And so today I pray that your presence would fill this place. In Jesus' name, amen. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.